0: Welcome to Finding Your Motivation with yours truly, Steve Stazak, and um, this is sponsored, this show is sponsored by Leader Speakers. So what does Leader Speakers do? Leader Speakers is a public speaking and presentation skill training company. We help people not only get over their fear of public speaking, which 90 some percent of the people have that fear, but we also help them become the people that can speak. We help them become more effective with a lot of other twists and turns and tricks and make them more authentic and more um saleable when they're giving their presentations tonight um is each each (laughs) okay i'm getting tongue-tied each monday i have a different guest on tonight's guest is a woman from vancouver canada and her name is joan is it possify possify possibly i was gonna say that (laughs) darn it one other thing about canada that is one green state clean and green yes no
1: ah yes clean and green country
0: it really is it it is it's just really cold there in the winter (laughs) Uh, it can be pardon me
1: it can be it varies province to province
0: I guess that's right.
1: But generally it does, yeah. Where I am, it's more like Seattle. What's
0: what's the warmest province? Is it Vancouver, maybe?
1: Uh, well, the province would be British Columbia and the city would be Vancouver. So that would be, we're about 45 minutes from the U.S. border. So think weather in Seattle. That's what we've got here right now.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah I've been to Seattle too. Um, not my that's favorite fun. place, but a little too, little too dark and rainy for me.
1: Mm, Yeah, it depends on where you go, but we certainly have dark and rainy today. Really? Yeah.
0: Okay. So Joan started out as a, she was hired as a part 16. When she was 16, she became a teller for a bank. Now this question I have to ask. So you weren't in college or were you working in college when you did this?
1: I started Wait a minute, 16, you were in high school. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I was actually- Steve, I was learning more with the bank than I was at school. So I decided to stick with the bank.
0: Really? Yep. And I believe that. <laughs> nice. Was it a big Was it a bank that we all know? Or is this something that's sort of regional? Uh,
1: yeah. Everyone in Canada would know it, Canada Trust.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Which
1: is now TD Canada Trust. Some of you might be familiar with TD.
0: It's not TD Waterhouse, is it?
1: It have anything to do with them, does it? I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> okay. So you were 16. So, so you, you you didn't do the college thing. Correct. Or did you? No,
1: I was too impatient for that.
0: Yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with that if you know what you're going to do.
1: hmm
0: So you became a – excuse me. All right. You became a branch manager. Yes. By the time you were 22. Yes. Very nice and then so you're a number cruncher which is just the anti opposite of what i am <laughs> numbers just jam me up it's too it's too it's too it's too it's too stiff for me i'm i'm a right brain person is right. it right or left
1: uh, right brain creative yeah i'm a right, right. brainer the left yeah. brain is the analytical so you focus on the right brain and you hire everybody for the left brain stuff
0: there you go So she realized that it wasn't her dream job at the bank, even though she was very successful. So she took a job, an entrepreneurial journey, with a purchase of a delicatessen. What made you want to purchase a delicatessen of all places?
1: (laughs) Well, it was actually when I was, I had set a goal of becoming a bank manager. and, And when I achieved that and worked at it for a couple of years, I thought, you know what? this isn't it i thought it was i thought that once i achieved that my life would be made like what more could i possibly want turns out a whole lot and so i thought you know what i got to do something differently and it was kind of that time when i was thinking about what to do next i had an opportunity to move from toronto canada which is more east coast uh to the west coast and while i was at the west coast i did not want to get into banking but there was an opportunity that uh, opened it up for me and i just walked into it because it was easy for me to do and it was during that time that i was scrounging for something else to do and uh, came across this opportunity to buy a delicatessen which at the time was really a turnaround project it was going to go out of business shut its doors so i basically uh, bought it for the cost of the equipment
0: Interesting. I was actually, I've done some business brokerage. Mm. So, and I sold a restaurant or two.
1: Right, but I could see the potential there, and so yeah.
0: But but even though you didn't have any, even though you didn't have any experience in the industry, somehow you Correct. saw potential. What what yes. potential did I, you see in there? What 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 turned you on? What? Uh, my, on
1: my myself and my business partner saw the potential in it, whereas most people were looking at why it was a dumb idea and and of course they had all their reasons and They could justify them. I did not have a background in in, in food services. What did I know about running a deli, et cetera, et cetera. But um, yes, in any business I've had, I've seen opportunity there for growth or I I wouldn't have gotten uh, involved in it. What had happened in that particular case is it was a younger guy who had set it up with the intention that his father, when his father retired, the father was going to take it over. He was uh, working for a telephone utility. But when he, the father retired and was supposedly going to take over the business, uh, his father passed away Ooh. and the son was stuck with this business that he clearly did not want. <laughs> you could tell he did not want to be there. And so uh, it, it you know, didn't take too much to turn it around. But How you just got to stay focused. Uh, let's see, probably around three, four years, something Don't like that. Did you just buy it with the intention years? that
0: you were going to get it up and running profitable and then sell it?
1: Yes, and then uh, other opportunities uh, presented itself. But there was a really good lesson in that, at the time, um, there was our deli. There was one a couple of doors down, a couple across the street. There was, I believe, six in town, uh, two of those being like the majors, like Safeway, that had in-store delis. And then the the other four, including uh, myself, was an independent. And it was a time where the economy was really on a downturn. People were leaving town. uh, Mm doors were actually closing their doors. And it would have been very easy for me to slip into that mindset with the rest of them. And over the space of two years, actually, from the time I bought it, ours flourished while a couple of the others closed. And then the other two remaining independents or the excuse me, the other remaining independent wasn't doing that well. And the major difference, Steve, is that when we're setting goals, uh, when we're looking at approving our results, we can't let present circumstances control our thinking. Because if I took a look at the present circumstances of the business, it was dismal. And so what we need to do is acknowledge that. I mean, you know, here's what sales currently are, but then set that aside and really build an image of what it is that you'd like to have, do, or be. And when I built the image of what that deli could be, oh man, I got to tell you, I can remember it to this day. I could see in my mind's eye that place just humming with customers and the cash register ringing. And so that's what you need to stay focused on. And, and, you know, that can be challenging when you're not seeing any customers. No, I know. But what happens is you hold that picture and then bit by bit, you see opportunities to make that happen. And so that's what we were doing differently than the other deli owners.
0: Interesting. Okay, so the deli, where'd you go from there?
1: Where did I go from there? I went into speaking and training much like yourself. Really? Which is something I had been studying and in the personal development space, uh, I guess I was first introduced to it when I was about 18 years old, which caused me to be able to buy the house and the deli and do all those other
0: things. What type of training were you doing?
1: Well, to be honest with you, friends of mine said, you know, Joan, there's a seminar occurring in town, you should go. It's on business that matters, predominantly marketing. Like I said, I was about 18. And because they knew that that was an area of interest, they figured I would say yes, which I did. Well, I sat mesmerized for two hours that night, because it turned out the speaker was not talking about marketing. He was talking about your mind and your potential. And he said, regardless of what's happened to you in the past, regardless of what you think your limitations are, the truth is you can have, do, or be anything you want with your life. And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> what? <Right. laughs> because you know, most of my learning, Steve, up until that point had been traditional school subjects, science, history, math. I had never had anybody talk to me about my mind and my potential for. I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't know it was an area of study. So I oh, what year really was that? went down that Rabbit hole. What year was that? Uh, let's see. That would have been in the uh, early 80s or so. And they were so talking about 81, that. Kind of,
0: 1981,
1: 1980. Yeah. And
0: they were talking about the mind.
1: The I, it's been talked then. about for hundreds of years. It's just. No, I know, like but
0: just few more, and far between. Now it's so commonplace. It's everywhere you look and turn around.
1: Yeah. The, the speaker for that night, you're probably familiar with him, was Bob Proctor.
0: I know who he is.
1: Yeah. So he and I went on to, uh, I went oh to Oh my God, that guy, he's teach. one of the best. Yeah, I went to teach uh, his programs and then eventually uh, we've worked together, shared the stage.
0: You did? hmm Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. something.
1: He he wrote the forward in my book. I mean, it's he's been a part of my life until he passed away.
0: Two years ago. Yeah. Or last year or something. Yeah, a couple of years. There's a guy named John Tellerico, who I have attended some of his teachings and seminars. He's a Bob Proctor product. Mm. Then I also attended, um, so he's, they've got this offshoot Napoleon Hill program. Okay. Yeah, there's a couple ladies that run that.
1: So, any of your listeners, uh, Napoleon Hill, Hill, back in his day, he was very popular back in the nineteen forties, roughly, and uh, wrote the classic "Think and Grow Rich," right, and which was you know, Bob's I heard, Bible.
0: <laughs> I heard. I heard something really interesting the other day, saying that he had a little bit of a criminal streak in him.
1: That Not I criminal, never heard.
0: Criminal, but yeah. <laughs> some kind. Pardon me.
1: That I never heard.
0: <laughs> Not criminal, but um, what did somebody tell me? One of the other, I I go to a lot of conferences, a lot of motivational speakers. There's something about Napoleon Hill that's mm. that wasn't really shiny. Okay. Anyway, he he yeah, I have got one of his. I've got his book, Race with the Devil. Is that it?
1: Uh Thinking for the rich. devil. Uh, that one I'm not familiar with. The, the The classic is Think and Grow Rich.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, but he's got some stuff. This other thing's pretty deep. Mm-hmm. Pretty interesting. I've
1: got, I've got some audio recordings of him, so it's great to hear his voice.
0: Wow, you worked with Bob Proctor. That is... So did you uh, ever get to meet Tony Robbins then? Uh, no. He was probably coming up about then. Mm-hmm. He worked with a guy. Who was the guy he worked with? Who was his...
1: I believe he was inspired by Jim Rohn.
0: Yes. Yep. That's who it was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Bob Proctor. Interesting. Yeah. He's, he's, his stuff's good. Mm -hmm. His stuff is really, really good. Okay. So go on. I don't want to steal any of that. No, no, that's fine. So so you, you you went through the Bob Proctor thing. Mm -hmm. And then, from there what did you do is that when you went into the deli or
1: well it was really interesting because you mentioned that a lot of what you do is helping people overcome the fear of public speaking right and that was just a huge one for me so much so uh my mother uh you know i loved her dearly she's passed now Uh, but uh, she could not go into a room full of people uh, unless maybe my dad was with her Uh, so consequently i was born with introverted tendencies and was raised by a very loving but stay in the background uh not speak up kind of mom right and uh but what i learned through initially bob's teaching is that you can change just about anything about yourself like we're we are who we are based on basically uh two parts of us there's the the genetics what's built into us at birth and there's the conditioning that takes place the things that we hear and see the impactful events that happen to us and so what i found is though you can change just about anything that you want about yourself if the desire is strong enough like when i used to talk to my mom about the seminars that I was doing and the size of audiences and she'd say, "Oh, Joan, I could never do that." I said, "Mom, that's not true." I said, "You don't want to. <laughs> if you really want to, you'd figure out a way." Right. But through delving into and I know you know this, Steve, as we um, r- research and study more in the area of personal development, we realize that our beliefs are just that. It's a belief that we hold. And so there are ways, of course, to change those beliefs so that we get a different result. See how we think is driving our behavior, giving us our result. So the person who's maybe introverted and shy, often is the one that doesn't go out to the networking events, or makes excuses not to or leaves early. I mean, I was all those people, really, right, because it's again, it's those ideas in your head, oh, I'm going to be rejected, I don't have anything to say to these people, which drives your behavior, which is, you know what, I, I should probably leave early, I've got a lot to do tomorrow. And that's getting a result. So if our current results that we're getting at, our happiness, our health or our wealth, are a mirror reflection of what's going on in here in our mind. And if we want to change our results permanently and dramatically, we've got to go back to the source. And that's the way we think.
0: Yeah, was that a real statement, or was that something you're just? Was that a sidewalk that you just mentioned?
1: It's a, it's, 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 it's what I teach. It's what I know.
0: <laughs> no, 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 I no. Really... I thought you were talking about leaving early.
1: Oh, no, no, no. That was that. That was me back in the networking event making excuses oh, because I was uncomfortable there. That's Sorry, that's what I meant. Sorry.
0: <laughs> that's what I thought.
1: Mm-hmm. Hmm.
0: Hmm. Well, you know, I teach, you know, and you probably do too, but one of the things that I teach in my public speaking training class, or my public speaking classes, is elevator pitches. Okay. Or our elevator pitches. Yes. But it's a 60 second pitch, obviously. You don't want it any more than that. Right. But it's, yes. you know, who yeah. you are, what you do. To you have know. that prepared. Pardon me? Yeah.
1: To have that prepared. But the first seminar I ever presented, the audience size was 18 people. And I was terrified, but I loved this material so much. And I saw that the results that it was generating in my life, and I knew that anybody could apply it. It's like, I gotta figure out a way to get past this uncomfortableness, this fear, because I really wanna share this information.
0: And how did you do that?
1: Through the the process of altering that conditioning. basically very similar to the deli. So I needed to build an image in my mind of the person I wanted to become. And that essentially was someone who would be comfortable meeting and greeting anyone, anytime, any place, and to be able to do it with like ease and confidence and just have fun with it. And of course, that's the polar opposite between how I felt on a subconscious level. On a conscious level, I can think, oh man, that would be fantastic. Oh my gosh, the opportunities that that would open up for me, the fabulous people I would get to meet. But you can think of that on a conscious level, how great your goal would be. But on a subconscious level, I was, you know, I had decades of negative beliefs about myself that were holding me back, plus the conditioning from my mom. And again, that's, I should mention too, when I talk about my mom in this regard, this is not the blame game. A A person can't give you something they don't have. So she could not Convey to me the feeling of being confident in front of strangers. If she didn't possess that herself, right? Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. However, if I want to change that, then it's up to me. And you got to really want it. And I really wanted it, which is part of the. That's a great story. Why want
0: it? See, I always, I never had a problem speaking in front of, in front of an audience. Yeah. I just had a my thing was I needed to become more fluent, or fluid and fluent. And, and one of the things that I did when I decided to get into this business was I took my first job as a sales trainer. And I took that so I could actually stand up on a so-called stage in front of people and yes. be able to think on my feet.
1: That's great. Tra- great training. Great idea.
0: Because that's what you have to do. Yeah. And, you know, I was like, you know, I'm I'm when I did this, I'm like 49 years old. Okay, I already had the raw materials, but you know, there's there's so you know I've learned this stuff in the past six or seven years. Okay. I mean, I'm just you know, there's just so many things that people don't realize when you tell them that you're a trainer or you speak on stage, you do know, just pop up and do this stuff,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? There's a lot of intricacies.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, especially you know if you're doing that keynote presentation, it may be. 15 or 20 minutes long, but there's like hours and hours and hours of prep work. Plus, you know, decades of knowledge gathering and experience that, that goes into those 15 or 20 minutes when you're standing there.
0: Well, I can do 15 or 20 minutes standing on my head. Yeah. <laughs> when you have to go an hour and a half mm. or something. That's when, uh, that's when the, then, yeah, that's when the rubber meets the road. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so what are you doing now? What are you currently doing? Besides writing books?
1: (laughs) One of the, uh, let me backtrack a little bit. One of the programs that I wrote and delivered and had tons of fun with it was a weekend program called Wealth and Women. And (laughs) I have for most after the banking, most of my adult career, I followed two tracks essentially for my career. One was in the personal development space as a speaker and author and trainer and then the other track was my businesses and entrepreneurial adventures because i never wanted to be a speaker that just talked about stuff and so my businesses really became like playgrounds place to test ideas right and and so during this uh preparation for the wealth and women intensive i was reading and studying a lot about passive income and passive income businesses. So passive income businesses would be things that may require a lot of work and effort from you on the front end. But eventually, I wouldn't say they run themselves necessarily, but it takes a lot less input from you. So think of things like owning a parking lot, or uh, automated car wash or self storage. And for me, self storage was the perfect fit. I oh, I heard that's one of the best it's it's terrific and and uh so i had a facility for uh, 18 years that i sold which is i'm going to loop back to when you ask me what i'm doing today (laughs) but there's a i'll share a quick little story about the self-storage industry and so when i started researching it i thought this is a perfect fit now i did not have the money to buy a facility nor did i know anybody in the industry or anything about it and so uh, you know i often say to people if you find a goal that you're excited about. Don't be concerned about how you're going to pull it off. If you know how you're going to reach the goal, that's not really a goal. It's more of a I you don't know thing that you're writing down in a list of your your to dos. Um, it should be something that really stretches you. And that was the case with the self storage facility. So I just wrote it down as a goal. And some time passed, and I ended up being at this party and was introduced by kind of a friend to a friend to a friend to this person who owe, owed excuse me owned a portfolio of self-storage facilities in two major cities. And I'm like, oh, my God. So he became a a mentor. And it was his confidence in the industry and and in me as we talked that gave me the confidence to go ahead and pursue it. So I uh, absolutely loved that industry. Uh, Sold out, cashed out a couple of years ago. Yeah, about two years ago now. And I thought, okay, now what next? And uh, I always love hearing people's stories how they got started, how they succeeded, the challenges they went through. And so I created a podcast called Side Hustle Hero, where I interview people with successful side hustles. So things that they're doing for sources of income over and above their nine to five. Sometimes by the time I'm talking to them, they've made it so successful, they've quit their nine to five, uh, but not always. And so that keeps me very motivated because again, I love hearing the success stories and I love business. And so I get to hear a lot of great tips and ideas and inspirations from these people. So that's what I'm doing pretty much full-time now when I'm not playing at other things.
0: So, Okay. So there are two types of seminars that you're doing now.
1: I'm focused more on travel. And the podcast, and not so much on the platform anymore.
0: Okay. So you don't do you did do seminars though?
1: Oh yes, full time.
0: And how did you advertise those seminars? How do you get folks in there?
1: Uh, there was uh, two different ways, and so there was a company called I'm not sure if you're familiar with a company called Career Track. Um, Career they, Track. You
0: mean Fred Pryor?
1: Uh, Fred Pryor was a competitor and then uh, they bought track. out Career Track. Yeah, there was about 300 trainers. I worked
0: for Fred Pryor.
1: Oh, did you? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I was on really,
0: the not really, it wasn't on my list of top companies, but anyway.
1: No, no, the <laughs> yeah. no, Career Track was, was, was much better. Um, <laughs> is Fred Pryor still around?
0: I imagine the only thing I didn't like about him is you got to, you got to, uh, do these educational seminars, but you, they wanted you to sell their books. Right. I didn't like that.
1: Yeah, we had, uh, so with career track, um, they actually were really well respected in the, uh, in, in the, uh, industry and, uh, they did a really nice job and they had a deal with uh, Nightingale Connet, who is a major distributor, probably number one, I think for audio and video, uh, programs and so i might i had to do the same thing with career track but we may have had a choice of like you know 80 or 90 programs and so i would pick you know the five or six that i felt genuinely in my heart of hearts that i felt everyone needed to have and those are the ones that i suggested people buy and if somebody came up and said hey what do you Think about this program i remember one it was like the content's good but like i fall asleep because the deliv- delivery is really boring or whatever it'd be honest so i was i was totally in alignment but with you that. did these seminars
0: um, in the hotels uh
1: yes uh pretty much globally uh when i um when career track got bought out by i believe it was fred Pryor. um for all the reasons you mentioned i'm like i don't want to work for fred Pryor, but uh, I said, I'll tell you what, I will work for you if you only send me to Europe. And so I did a lot of their uh, UK, uh-huh. uh, Scotland, uh, Ireland, England uh, uh, seminars, which I really enjoyed.
0: Interesting. And, and
1: when I was over there, I could do more of my own thing. But you know, as long as you got the ratings, they were happy, so that was fine. But that wasn't. Uh, you, but weren't then, selling,
0: you weren't selling your programs to them.
1: No, so I was saying, so there were sort of two facets to what I did. The advantage of a company like that is that they did everything for me. They booked the hotels, the rental cars, they had staff there, absolutely everything. However, you're making, of course, a lot less because they're doing all that. They're getting the customers in, they're doing the registration, they're doing it all. And so for my own presentations, um, how I got word out to address your question is by partnering with people who had a similar clientele. So for example, the Wealth and Women seminar, Uh, I would partner with uh, financial advisors, who would um, mail to their database. And my favorite way to do it was to offer a free free to the attendees evening seminar in the industry, we call it a preview. But it's basically an evening seminar, maybe three hours, where I delivered uh, a lot of content, it was not sales, it was content. And at the end of the evening, then I would offer the weekend wealth and women seminar. And I really love that format because it gave me a few hours to connect with the audience and the people who I connected with, they signed up. So we knew we were going to have a great weekend. And regardless if you signed up or not, you got a great evening, like I said, with lots of content and uh, tips and ideas. Yeah. So I really like that. And then that sponsor company would look after the The fees of the venue and basically do all, doing all the marketing.
0: So June, that this is what brings up towards the end of the podcast right now. But what are you doing now? Joan.
1: Um, Joan,
0: what did I just Joan. say? That's
1: like, I thought you said June, but it could have been my headphones. I may have. Yeah. <laughs> the podcast, that's, that's my life. And I'm traveling. I'm going away for uh, six weeks in early 2024. I'm going to bring my microphone with me and see if I can do some uh, remote interviews.
0: Nice. And what type yeah. of people or yeah, what's your format?
1: So again, it's a Side Hustle Hero. So I'm interview, interviewing people with successful side hustles. So as I'm traveling through uh, Indonesia, Japan, Vietnam, um, Cambodia, I envision people doing side hustles there, uh, people native to those countries, living in those countries, mm-hmm. and or there's a huge digital nomad community out there of people who are running side hustles, running their businesses from anywhere with a good internet connection.
0: They're yeah, really from all over the world. Side hustle right now myself.
1: Oh it's a what's Netsi that store? Okay.
0: Yeah, I sell dog T-shirts. Pet t-shirts. <laughs>
1: Fun. So people send like photos to you or? No, no, I don't
0: do it that way. I've got a a logo that I, that no one else has. It's called. I see. Pet parent. (laughs) Excuse me. Pet parent. It's got a paw print with a logo of a dog and a cat in it, but it's shaped like a paw. Okay. It says pet parent on the top of it. Right. So that's my little brand.
1: Yeah. I like platforms like that because, I mean, obviously, if you're selling it direct to the customer, you're going to be selling more. But platforms like Etsy or Fiverr, they give you the opportunity to really test a product and see if there's a market for it. Uh, Test it at at a a very low cost. Now, of course, there's people that do really, really well. And I had somebody earning six figures on Etsy as a guest.
0: uh, Well, you you just have to... uh... Um, my thing is so what you have to do is you got to figure out a way to market it yes Etsy's not just going to do it you can't just say well I'm going to put my stuff on Etsy it's going to sell yes so I'm going to do some social media ads
1: right yeah and then take a look at what the top sellers in your genre are doing maybe differently than you are and say oh okay that's a good idea I like that one I like that not to copy (laughs) get get inspired
0: yeah. Well, Jonah, it was really a pleasure speaking with you today. And um I'm sure the audience will be thoroughly enlightened with what you had to say.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, Steve.
0: Sure. You were very inspiring. A lot of people have to a lot of people have to see and experience something like this on a podcast or hear this firsthand that somebody actually took the leap or overcame some issues and became successful at whatever they were trying to achieve.
1: And then in turn, I get to interview uh, successful people as well on, and if I can just mention the hub of where everything lives is sidehustlehero.com.
0: Okay. Yeah, I sure can. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Once again, um, we, this was Joan posavi uh, Posavi? Posavi. God, why do I hmm.
1: Think of positive. i to
0: say it correctly. Possibly. And, perfect uh, what was the uh what's the name of your podcast again
1: side hustle hero
0: and how do they find it
1: side it's on youtube and wherever you listen to your podcasts
0: great 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 well thanks again joan and uh we will uh, uh once again this is brought to you by leader speakers a public speaking training company that helps people not only get over the fear of public speaking but helps them become more effective speakers which of course enriches all other areas of life for them okay so thank you folks for being here on or listening to the show and uh, we'll see you next week